right, guys, welcome back to the Savage Pass podcast presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Level. With me, as always, my co host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here looking at week 12 in the NFL. Of course, the uh, longer week 12 with Thanksgiving games and all of that. And uh, it was quite, again, Dylan, an interesting week around the league. Um, as you'll see, some of our picks went better than others. Uh, as you will see on our betting locks, well, if uh, or really our betting locks are upsets. If you were looking for us to win you money this week, um, we're sorry. Uh, hopefully you got your Black Friday shopping done without our money because uh, we probably lost you a little bit based on some of these picks. But uh, Dylan, it was, again, I mean, you look it up and down, there were kind of mixture, I think, of blowouts and uh, games that went according to plan. And I guess we, it's a good way to start with our games of the week because I can remember vividly I kept saying, why is this spread six points? I'm like, and I don't, you know, again, we both picked the Patriots to win, and certainly that happened, but I was just, for some reason, I was like, man, that that feels a little high to me. Well, uh, what do I know? Because Patriots win 36-13, just completely uh, dominate the game in the second half. Um, And, yeah, I, like, really, from the moment the game started, I never felt like the Titans were going to win this game, even though, you know, at halftime it was 16-13 or whatever. But just never got that feeling that the Titans were going to be able to match the Patriots, um, you know, move for move here. And that didn't happen. It was just another dominant win for the Patriots. And here they are, quite frankly, um, perhaps one of the top, you know, teams in the NFL right now. Yeah, and it, it seems like there's so many teams we don't trust at this point. So to have one team that has been steady, that we feel like we can rely on, that doesn't turn the ball over, that knows their identity. Like there's a lot of teams still kind of trying to find that. And we're in late November and the Patriots know it very well. Their defense fantastic forcing four turnovers that was the main difference in this game that the titans did you know ran the ball better than a lot of teams have uh this season against the patriots they they rack up 270 rushing yards uh but obviously the when you turn the ball over four times new england they are so focused on not doing exactly that belichick's talked literally about how you know year to year to year if you look at the uh turnover battle how important that that plays and when you feel obviously there's times when certain teams have to take shots but they they don't they they can run the ball they know what the mac's going to do which is crazy to see where he's already progressed as a as a rookie and yeah they just are at this point one of the most complete teams in the league there's a reason they have the the best point differential in the league they've beaten some good teams i know the titans were shorthanded and i'm not i'm not gonna you know go away from this game and still think the titans aren't going to be one of the uh, better teams in the AFC potentially by the end of it uh, that when they get healthier hopefully but that's just where New England's at it's crazy to think you know but going off of where they were last year all the different issues uh, all the the lack of depth at certain positions and now they seem like one of the deepest teams on both sides especially up front um, and again even though New England gave up a lot of rushing yards they, they limit the big plays and force the turnovers by the end of it so yeah kind of uh, you know, I wasn't too shocked at that spread, I guess, especially with all the guys that were out. It didn't even, I don't know if, I don't think it moved even that far after they, I think when we, when we made the pick, AJ Brown was still playing. It only went to minus seven here uh, where I'm looking at right now. So only one more point, but yeah, that's just, uh, I think Vegas learned a lesson uh, given that early in the year, they were kind of underrating, underrating the Patriots and some of their matchups um, and the spreads, even the game, a couple of the games they lost, they ended up covering. So uh, they're not going to make that same mistake. And, yeah, New England, man, really, really tough team at this point. Yep, looking good uh, are the Patriots, and so are the Packers. As, uh, the Packers, this is our other game of the week. Um, they take care of business against the Rams, 
28. Um, this sort of felt like another one, I guess, that um, score a little bit deceiving maybe in terms of kind of, again, I yeah. really, you know, just never felt like the Rams were going to be able to do enough to win this game. And, of course, they scored uh, 11 of those 28 in the fourth quarter. Um, so it was really all Packers heading into, you know, the latter stages of that game. And, I mean, for the Rams, I, you know, it's it's disappointing, I guess, because now, you know, they're sitting here at 7-4 and four and, and we kind of look at where they were, I guess, even, what, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. And, well, now they've lost three straight. And, and you know, the schedule – um, hasn't been easy. It will get, uh, thankfully, a little bit easier uh, on Sunday as they'll play the Jags in L.A. there. But really, even the rest of the way, like there are no easy games left probably outside of that game against the Jags uh, for the Rams. And so that, I think, is the most interesting aspect. Uh, what are they going to be maybe at the end of the season? Because they have had you know a tough schedule, but now it looks even tougher uh, towards the end of the stretch here. Uh, but for the Packers, I mean, here they are, 9-3, and three, um, right there where they want to be. Even all the distractions going into the season, wondering about Aaron Rodgers and all that, well, here they are at 9-3. and three. Yeah, and the thing is about that's scary about the Packers is I don't feel like they've played, like, all these complete games, but they're still winning, like, basically all their games against good teams. They, they, they go, they beat the Niners, they beat the Rams. I think they've – actually, they've swept the entire NFC West. It is not an easy thing to do. Um, meanwhile, the Rams only – I think the only team with a winning record they've beaten so far is Tampa Bay. Uh, the Colts would have been right there if they had won uh, the other day. But, yeah, it's uh, – man, it's – I don't know for the Rams. They, they It seems like the same formula keeps happening where they fall behind, they get a little panicky, they get out of the rhythm of running the ball. Uh, Stafford doesn't look sharp consistently. He'll make a great throw here and there, but then a few of them will be off the mark completely. I know there are a lot of reports that came out before the game from Diana Rossini and, and, more, and covered kind of by Jordan Rodriguez and other – Rams beat writers about all the injuries that Stafford's allegedly playing through that they're not really talking about. But I mean, whether something's off with him, something feels like it's off with the with that offense in general. I, they end up, yeah, like you said, with all those points in the fourth quarter uh, where they're playing kind of a not a prevent defense, but just a defense is going to let them throw underneath and waste the clock. Um, and then obviously you want to have those shot plays and get the big uh, long uh, scores like they ended up getting uh, to Odell and to Van Jefferson, but. You know, if you limit, if you take those out, and you, you can't by the end of it really take them out in terms of what they are able to produce as a team. But in terms of just being able to drive the drive to drive, consistently control the ball and, and actually keep it away from the Packers, they couldn't do it. They just they did not sustain many drives. Four for thirteen on third down. They fail on that fourth down uh, in their own territory. They're lucky. Green Bay had the one muff punt. Uh, I know the Rams had their own <laughs> fumbled punt. Uh, but man, it was just it was tough to watch. Uh, and it was just a b- uphill battle. It felt like the whole game. You'd see flashes where it's like, man, they, they sh- seem like they're okay. And then, yeah, it's just rough. The defense also for the Rams. Obviously, the turnovers don't help in this one. But just too many times. And they talked about it a bit on the telecast of third and short, third and medium ranges, and just playing off coverage. It's things that just little details that I feel like we didn't see as much last year with the Rams defense. Obviously, I feel like some of the guys have filled in fine as starters, but the lack of depth, I mean, all those guys that are, there's a number of starters now that were backups last year. Now who's behind them is kind of the question that I've seen posed on on Twitter by Rams fans and, and writers. And it's a, it's, a fair, it's a fair question. But again, for Green Bay, it's scary for the rest of the NFC because they're not playing their best. They're, they don't have, they didn't have Zadarius Smith or Jair Alexander. They're still able to do this. It feels like Rasul Douglas, uh, you know, this isn't just one game where he's playing well. It seems like this is becoming a regular thing for him. So 
Yeah, man. Uh, Green Bay. I'm feeling decent about that that side of my uh, my Super Bowl pick in, in terms of Green Bay making it. They just it feels like when they get everything right, they're going to be right there with the top two, three teams at least in this conference, and possibly getting to a bye depending on how they're able to close out here after their bye week coming up. Yep, Packers playing very well right now, and well, this takes us into the betting locks, and um, this was I, I I would like to say I said this up front. So what am I doing? In the history of our podcast, we've never done that. I've never done this before. Neither one of us have because we're not that silly. Uh, but turns out I was um, to make the Texans, the two and eight Texans, my betting lock as two and a half point favorites at home uh, coming off that win against the Titans. Uh, you know, the Titans, one of the better teams in the NFL. Um, turns out that was not a good idea because the Texans did not cover the spread. They did not win. Uh, the Jets, 21 14 winners in Houston. And uh, yeah. This was less than ideal. Uh, I don't really think we have a lot to say about this. And quite frankly, if it wasn't one of our betting locks, we wouldn't be talking much about it at all. But um, that's what I get for picking a team who beat one of the better teams in the league to then turn around and lose to one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, that has been the NFL this season. Yeah, uh, I feel like having expectations for the Texans was probably on both of us. We both felt – I mean, I I consider this close to being a, one of my locks too if I – if I had to do it. Um, but yeah, the offense, it was just brutal to watch against this Jets defense that has given up huge amounts of points left and right to every team they've played. Uh, you know, the Texans do decently on third down in this game compared to the Jets. Jets only two for 13, but by the end of it, just too many mistakes in the red zone, too many kind of mishaps here and there. And it, you know, I don't, I don't know if even the Jets were really satisfied with how this game went. Zach Wilson still kind of coming back to the field did not look good. I know he has some, um, even more issues with injuries and different things, but man, it and the, they didn't have Corey Davis and the receiving corps are down a little bit, but it was it was just a rough game for both teams. Um, the Jets able to at least run the ball a little bit, which is the one thing I felt like the Texans defense has done decently well this year. So it's just man, got to be a frustrating game for the Texans. You feel like they, they come off that win, and it was obviously. You're worried that they're going to have this kind of drop off and potential uh, letdown game, but uh, I didn't see it happening like this. I just felt like they were still a better team, but uh, well, you can only say yeah. so much about a team that's two and eight. So now two and nine. Yeah, I uh, don't think I'll be picking any two and eight teams in the betting <laughs> lock anymore. But uh, that, as we we talked about on this board, there were a lot of close games, uh, and it made it hard to kind of figure out where to go although in hindsight there's one we're going to talk about in a minute that i probably should have went with and would have probably preferred but i didn't go that route um your betting lock also did not go according to plan uh as this you talk about disappointing losses like uh, undoubtedly a disappointing loss for the eagles giants went 13 to 17 13 to 7 excuse me eagles do absolutely nothing on offense uh until the fourth quarter which you know again that game what a what a wild game that was just because you know, the Eagles, as we said, I mean, you've seen kind of what they can do, break out on offense, and you're fighting for a playoff spot, and, well, you don't score in the first three quarters against a, you know, a 4-3-7 or three and seven team. And, uh, yeah, it goes back to that inconsistency with the Eagles. They've been hard to trust this season. Yeah, I feel like I jinxed them. They've been playing so well, and, I, you know, I did win my betting lock last week, but now back on track to what's been a mostly a midseason slump. They, they end up outgaining the Giants by almost 100 yards. They – performed decently at certain times but they just could not finish drives i mean they the amount of times they they got down the field and came away with no points was pretty discouraging i you know, whether it be the the really bad interception at the end of the half 
um then another interception when i think they were yeah they're inside the 20 yard line in the first half so they had and they have turnovers on downs so just the amount of times that they just could not convert and then even at the end the late fumble was really brutal they had a chance uh, they had plenty of time to go get that winning touchdown yeah it's just a a tough game for them I, I did not anticipate you know the Giants defense had some flashes last year but I and they gave up a ton of yards rushing it's just the Eagles got away from it a little bit at certain moments and some bad decisions from Jalen Hurts that he'd mostly limited lately um and that, that kind of ended, ended the game for them because the Giants didn't put up a, a fantastic performance on offense they they threw the ball okay but I wouldn't say great they we're not able to run on Philly's front at all, as we've seen kind of become a theme lately with Philadelphia winning up front. And they did win up front on both sides. It just came down to the mistakes and things that if you limit, if they just limit those, I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games and you have four turnovers to zero. Um, it's just, it's not going to happen. And uh, for the Eagles, it's just tough because, yeah, we talked about how they have this easy schedule coming up, where they're going, especially after the what happened in the Cowboys game, and we'll get to it in a sec. But yeah, I mean, it just felt like they had a great opportunity to get back to 500 and be right there uh, breathing down the, the Cowboys' necks, and then they just fall apart, essentially, just in a game that they really performed better, and they just too many turnovers, man. Well, if you thought we did uh, not well in our betting locks, uh, well, say the same for our upsets of the week, because these didn't pan out either. Um, I, again, really talk about a combination. We laughed about this. I went with the Texans and the Lions in my betting lock and upsets. Uh, well, neither one of them fanned out, and what do you know? They're both bad teams, so probably no surprise there. But the Lions almost did it. I thought it was going to happen, Dylan. I, I really did. I was like, this is it. Like, we're going to get the Lions their first win, and then I'm just going to ride them the rest of the season. Uh, well, that didn't happen. Uh, Cairo Santos hits the field goal uh, as time expires to give the Bears a 16-14 win. Another heartbreaking loss for the Lions who, quite frankly, could probably be uh, five and six right now. Um, but, you know, they're 0-10-1. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Justin Fields not playing. Andy Dalton uh, played pretty well here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I mean, the Bears win, but I don't think you really learn a whole lot about either one of these teams here. Yeah, it just kind of shows the the fact that the Bears weren't able to cover this two-and-a-half-point spread where they're at, that that spread was almost perfect. We talked about how, you know, for a team that doesn't have any wins to be within that <laughs> amount of points, says a lot about you as a team. And sure enough, the you know, the Bears' defense responded. They gave up that early touchdown, uh, a pretty solid pass from Jerry Goff to old Rams teammate Josh Reynolds, who ends up being their leading receiver for the game. But just, you know, it's weird looking at Jerry Goff's stat line. Like, he, he played pretty well, didn't have that many incompletions, but it's the same kind of things that have been issues with him in the past in terms of being able to throw down the field and not converting drives and not being able to extend plays when the plays breaks down. And kind of saw that by the end of it, the Bears end up, you know, outgaining the lines by almost, uh, you know, over 150 yards, essentially. Um, they just for the bears still though that not converting drives themselves not they weren't able to run the ball really well against a lions team that has given up a lot of rushing yards this year just disappointing things for the bears team that even with andy dalton i feel like they they had more in them than this but you know they come away with the win it's just kind of a kind of the kind of game that i anticipated this might be on on thanksgiving it looked like it was gonna be a little more exciting there for some moments but yeah just uh the only you know the one thing i will say for the bears at least on that final drive to to basically take off the last eight and a half nine minutes or so of the game before getting that game winning field goal uh you know positives there i guess but it was it was interesting watching matt nagy uh celebrating as if maybe that he'd saved yeah. his job because I, I if they had lost this game it i know there's a lot yeah. made about all 
last week about uh, whether how long he's going to be the coach there, um, and potentially being fired after the after the Thanksgiving weekend. If they had actually lost, maybe that would have been the case. I still don't know what's going on future wise there, and for the Lions, it's just like you said, they could be five and six, but story of their season, man. They just keep having these kind of games where they have a chance to win. They don't make enough plays. They have the drive where they could just get a few first downs to finish it, can't do it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just kind of been the, that kind of season for them, a team that's playing, it feels like playing hard in certain moments. Uh, and I don't know, overall, I feel like some buy-in, but it's just, you, you got to be a little deflated when you're sitting here after week 12 and you still haven't gotten a W in the books. Well, Steelers are deflated too, uh, for sure. That was the route you went with your upset of the week. Uh, Bengals were four and a half point favorites. Well, um, they covered by 31 here uh, as the Bengals just des- destroyed the Steelers 41 to 10 in Cincinnati was 31 to three at halftime. Uh, my goodness. Just think about saying that after, you know, even two years ago. Um, well, we, we jumped on the Bengals bandwagon a little early, like we said, probably uh, last year, but they have turned the corner this year. They're seven and four uh, Steelers are just kind of, we've said it like there's just, I mean, their defense certainly, didn't hold up here, but uh, the offense didn't do them any favors, uh, I think, just in terms of, of how they played. But uh, I just don't have any confidence in the Steelers anymore, especially the offense right now. And uh, the Bengals, meanwhile, uh, they are just uh, they are rolling right along. Yeah, you know, I was worried because Cincinnati had that kind of midseason slump that we, we saw, and it was like, all right, how good are they? Um, and then they go out here and just completely annihilate the Steelers again. They've, they, you know, not by as many points as this, but now they back, you know, first season sweep of the Steelers since uh, I think sometime in the mid 2000s. It's, Pretty, it was pretty incredible to watch. They, this was the most complete game. I know they they crushed the Ravens in Baltimore too. And while they're while Baltimore continues to get wins and stay atop the AFC, the Bengals are going to have some interesting tie breaks with the way they're playing in this division right now. Um, just a man, it's I did not, you know, the Steelers. I thought they had more than this. I, I know that there's some things that went against them early in the game. Uh, obviously, the pick six at the end of the half uh, was huge, but at that point, it really felt like the Bengals were in complete control anyway. The Steelers' defense, even with getting Minka Fitzpatrick back and getting TJ Watt back, it did not matter. Uh, it was just impressive to watch what Cincinnati did. A team that, uh, you know, as we've, we've been both, both really excited about them and what they can do, but, you know, to, they have to bring it every game. They saw that when they lost to the Jets, that they can't just expect themselves to be. Uh, just walk in on every team and just and blow them out uh but they yeah they obviously took care of business here but even by the end of it some of the yards they gave up late in the game to Steelers make the the total yards look a little more even than it really was it was just a dominant they just came out bludgeoning them and it was just just absolutely relentless uh, with all the, the scoring plays that they had in that first half to basically make it um uh, kind of a scrimmage in the second half <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, again, I, I think I picked the Steelers to make the playoffs, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. So don't don't feel great about that right now. But we'll see uh, if they can turn it around here in the uh, latter part of the season. But from there, uh, we go into our quick picks, and we go all the way back to Thanksgiving Day. As uh, Dylan and I vaguely recall, uh, you mentioning you almost went this route for your lock of the week. The Cowboys were seven-and-a-half-point <laughs> favorites at home against the Raiders, and it's a good thing you did not even though uh, the other one did not pan out either. But uh, the Raiders go on the road and get a 36-33 win over the Cowboys. Of course, we know Cowboys playing without Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Um, That did not help, but they still found a way to score points here. Uh, Cedric Wilson, uh, Michael Gallup stepped up, played pretty well. Dalton Schultz had a nice game. 
Uh, but the Raiders, they want to get back in the conversation, and they do here, uh, getting a win to put them now at 6-5. and five. Yeah, really exciting game. Uh, unlike the, the game beforehand, this one really lived up. Well, I mean, that one lived up kind of what I expected in the Lions-Bears, but this one really gave us uh, the signature Thanksgiving game that people will look back on. Obviously, two really iconic franchises. I think they said it was the largest uh, or the most viewed game in the regular season since 1990, which is pretty insane. Uh, but given the, the teams and where they're at, uh, not totally surprised. And the Raiders stepped up to their credit. They've had some pretty uh, kind of a tough stretch uh, the last few games, losing a few in a row. Um, but to come out here in Dallas against a, a team that a defense that's played, as we've talked about, really well this year. Um, they, they were the ranked fourth in d- defense at DVOA. I have a hard time seeing that staying the case after this week, after they give up over 500 yards to the Raiders. I know that includes some overtime plays, but yeah to the Raiders credit to Derek Carr's credit they looked pretty uh, pretty comfortable for the most of this afternoon and uh the Cowboys offense did bounce back they didn't let the same thing happen to them as it did against the the Broncos a few weeks ago uh they they kept it you know they fought back because the Raiders kept kind of pushing the lead up and then Dallas would slowly fight back they get that late touchdown obviously to tie it everything about it was just a great game um for the Cowboys it's just a tough loss they're still feeling good about where they are in their division obviously the Eagles losing helps a decent amount but yeah they gotta they're still kind of in that mid-season funk in terms of where the defense has gone because uh, at least the offense you feel like they've answered some of the questions They've, they've they've kind of knocked off some of the dust that we saw the last few weeks but Man, the defense, kind of a disappointing effort for them. I know the Raiders have some solid offensive players, but I would expect a little more a little more push at, at certain points. And the Raiders' offensive line held up better than I expected. And, uh, you know, again, props to Derek Carr. Made some really fantastic throws deep down the field. We He's, uh, you know, maybe a little underrated among some Raider fans that I know at least. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, obviously he has some, some of his own uh, downfalls. But I think in this one you saw – him at his best when he's protected what he can do and his understanding of the offense it's it's fun to watch yep it is for sure and uh, the bills were fun to watch unlike some of the other games they played uh, here over the past month or so uh, the bills go in and just uh, again we talk about dominant performances this was a dominant performance a much needed one from the bills 31 to 6 in new orleans uh i don't remember if alvin Kamara. i don't remember what his status was when we made our pick um had I known he wasn't going to play, I honestly probably would have considered this as a lock uh, at five and a half just because I think that, you know, we've said at the Saints defense coming into the season, uh, you looked at some of the things there, and obviously they, they've been a little up and down. But, I mean, this was kind of one of those games that we, we thought if the Bills were going to, you know, actually be the Bills that we think they can be, they needed to go in and win a game like this. And, um, yeah, they didn't really play around at all, and they took care of business in this one. Yeah, it was good to see the Bills kind of finally – perform up to the expectations that they've had for themselves that their fan bases had yeah i think the spread only moved up to seven points after all the announcements of who was going to be out but it wasn't even about that for me it was more about the fact that the the saints defense has been really solid this year and uh, i know they've struggled some uh, somewhat of late after the, you know that this is now their fourth straight loss since that tampa bay that huge win over the bucks uh, I think mostly because of where the offense has gone. I was not shocked that the, the Saints had not put up many points against this Bills defense that I think because of what the Colts just did a week ago, maybe I, I imagine they came into this game pretty dang motivated. They're still ranked were ranked after last week, number one in, in DVOA on defense, and they showed it in this one. Just a complete bludgeoning by them. But finally, this is the what you know the thing that the, the Bills have been waiting for. Seeing this offense in the, in the passing game really uh, bust out. I know that Josh Allen still had a couple picks, and you got to cut those out especially against 
uh, their their opponent coming up, but I have a uh, feeling will be one of our games, if not just our one game of the week when they play the Patriots. But uh, you looked at Josh Allen and just looked so much more comfortable. It looked way more like the the passing offense that we saw. Uh, season ago but the, the great thing was watching the Bills actually run the ball and I know they didn't always have a ton of success with it but they still uh, some, a couple, few of the Josh Allen runs were were uh, you know by design but outside of him 24 rushing attempts that's maybe not a crazy amount but for the Bills that's a lot and I know a lot of the time that when you protect the lead that's what it's going to be like but I think Buffalo realizes a little bit that if they want to hold up a bit in the, the pass protection and get some of the things they want to set up throwing the ball they can't just do what they did last year where they would go in the games and throw like 15 16 straight times at certain points uh just a little more balance there and yeah i think the bills may be finding their identity a bit more in offense they still got some time but uh basically i think it happened at the perfect time right before they play the patriots and what could be uh you know a a classic game and at this point we'll see how the dvoa moves but the two they're the two top defenses in in the league in in terms of dvoa uh going into last week so it should be should be a lot of fun and uh, hopefully josh allen's ready for the for the task because it's going to be it's going to be a crazy atmosphere even at home (laughs) yeah it will be and uh yeah we'll see what happens in that one should be a great game uh, for sure. Uh, the Bucks get a win, uh, 38-31 in Indianapolis against the Colts. And, I mean, the Colts started off pretty well here. I mean, they're up 24-14 to at the half and uh, really, you know, playing very well. But Leonard Fournette, four touchdowns in this one uh, combined and uh, certainly a career game for him. And what a resurgence he's had when I can remember, you know, whenever it was a couple of years ago, everybody thinking after yeah. the whole Jaguars fiasco and how things played out there, that may be it for him. But, uh, yeah, he has um, definitely made his presence felt there. And uh, the difference in this one is uh, the Bucks go on the road, get a nice win over the Colts, who, as we said, have been playing uh, very well. Yeah, and it, it was a, this game uh, we talked about is going to be one of the better ones of the week. But it, it honestly was probably, outside of Cowboys, uh, Raiders, the most exciting game. It was back and forth. And, I, you know, for all – there's some negative – uh, stuff being said about the the Colts going away from the run, but you, I mean, they went in the first half. They were just not getting anything done. I know they started to run the ball better in the second half, but I thought I was really impressed with how the Colts were able to actually move the ball passing. And Carson Wentz, I know they end up losing this game, and he has a couple of those uh, pretty bad turnovers that really cost them by the end of it. Uh, five total by Indianapolis, but his uh, his fumble in the second half, just some really big plays that cost them. But overall, I mean, at certain points, he made some huge throws and. Had some some plays that looked better than than he's looked for large portions of you know the last uh, last couple seasons. Uh, I you know the turnover is still going to cost you by the end of it, but I was actually impressed with what he did against a, a banged up still Buccaneers secondary. But on the flip side, I think the most uh, the, the most scary thing for the rest of the NFC in particular in this one was Tampa Bay running the ball so efficiently against uh indianapolis is ranked second in defensive uh rushing dvoa and they just ran right through them like you talked about leonard fournette looked fantastic their offensive line looked great even ronald jones is running with some with some uh burst at certain points on some of those running plays uh it was just you know brady has not a uh, uh, solid game but still not, not by maybe by his standards only 226 yards a touchdown and a pick um but I, I think the story was really obviously the defense forcing turnovers being opportunistic because they're still giving up a lot of points, more points than what Tampa Bay wants to. But forcing those turnovers was huge. But I think by the end of it, the story for me was Leonard Fournette and that just offensive line taking it to an Indianapolis defensive line that has not seen this happen uh, many times of the season. Yeah, nice win for the Bucks on the road there and uh, Colts playing better 
For sure. Uh, this one, not a whole lot. It's probably to say necessarily the Panthers were the favorites going on the road against the Dolphins. But the Dolphins get the win. Uh, and this one, 33-10, was, again, really never close. Defense, uh, you know, made a big difference here. Cam did not play his best game. Two will look great, 27-31, uh, pretty efficient there, 230 yards. Miles Gaskin added a couple touchdowns. Jalen Waddle played well. Um, you know, it's crazy to think, but, like, the Dolphins are 5-7. and seven. Like, it's not like, you know, they've disappointed this season, but, I mean, they have at least gotten to that yeah. point. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that they can make the playoffs, uh, which is just wild to think about at this point <laughs> because, by the way, um, for all you fantasy, you want to talk about waiver wire a little early, uh, pick up here, but uh, the Dolphins get the Giants and the Jets up next in Miami, so that's uh, going to pick up a defense. There you go. Uh, but, I mean, their schedule the rest of the way, I mean, I know it's going to be tough those last three games at the Saints, at the Titans, and the Patriots in Miami, but um, I mean, really, you would expect like they should be favorites to get to 500 here after these next two games. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think where they were, right? Like, we, we were talking about this as one of the biggest disappointments in the league this year and I, I still think it's obviously not up to the standards that they hoped and what they kind of set last year uh when they nearly made the playoffs and still won 10 games but yeah the the offense looked against a really you know we've talked about the panthers and they they really have been one of the better defenses in the league this year at least a top 10 at the very least unit and to yeah, obviously the, the turnovers and what the defense did made a big difference in, in putting up 33 points but still to put up over 300 yards still to, to convert almost half their third downs both fourth down conversions that they had i just that yeah they looked more efficient uh when they had the ball than i feel like we've seen for the most part in miami they didn't they still didn't run the ball and they still were able to pass uh quite a, quite efficiently i mean this is one of the best games two has probably had even without the touchdowns there to go 27 for 31 uh you know not throw a pick and yeah it, it did really help obviously the emergence of Jalen Waddle in this one like you mentioned I, I he looked fantastic and I think he's in the top 10 in in, in the NFL this year and and yak yards which which I did not realize he had some a ton in this one but uh yeah it was just seeing what he his chemistry on on third downs and crucial and fourth down and just big situations with Tua finally kind of came out the way that you would have hoped um I'm not gonna it's nowhere near what we've seen in the connection that maybe like a Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have taken from college but uh this was a game where I think some positive steps that Miami can build off of uh, when they have the ball and yeah this defense this is now not uh this isn't just a a fluky thing what they did against the Ravens this is just games and, and a better or a better offense obviously in Baltimore than Carolina but still this is just they're just stacking games where their defense is dominating teams and like you said yeah I wouldn't doubt them winning the next two ripping off it would be six in a row at that point and sitting at seven seven with a with a chance down the stretch to to make some noise and possibly yeah we'll see how the how the last of the wild card shakes out there's still a lot of teams uh ahead of them at the moment but yeah at least uh at least you feel like they're pointing the things in the right direction and maybe building on where they're going to be as a team next season yeah just uh of course for the panthers uh, as we are recording here and as we started recording christian mccaffrey uh goes injured reserve he's out for the year so uh a frustrating season for him um that's not ideal for the panthers moving forward either um for a team that had such a great start and uh yeah not uh gotta be frustrated you get cam back and now you lose your star running back so um not ideal there for the panthers so uh all right next up was uh this game which uh, hey i just want to point out here uh in terms of in terms of our picks i mean i got you on the dolphins and the panthers here um i got you on this next one falcons and the jags uh big big contest um falcons take care of business in this one 
21-14. Far from a thrilling game, but Cordero Patterson, um, who I almost made the mistake of in the family league, benching uh, in favor of Terry McLaurin, who has not played yet. But I would like to think that uh, Cordero Patterson, with two touchdowns, probably going to have the better game of the two. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, not a whole lot to really write home about for this one. Yeah, there were some decent throws by Trevor Lawrence. Um, uh, one of their touchdown drives where I felt like it was the best, maybe, complete drive we've seen from him. But that's not saying a ton against this Falcons defense to only still put up 14 points. Uh, not uh, exactly what you'd hope for, for Jacksonville and uh, where this offense would be at this point in the season. You feel like even, you know, you bring in Urban Meyer and with, with Trevor Lawrence, you feel like you're going to have a team that, at least at this point, I'm sure they envisioned themselves at least being a competent offense, not still one of the worst in the league. And their offensive line has been really brutal. It's just a tough, tough team to watch consistently. I, you know, you feel like Trevor shows flashes and then makes some bad mistakes, and you just you hope that he's not put in a situation where he's going to have some bad habits developed. I, I don't. I think he's uh, a great head on, a great uh, head on his shoulders. He's, I don't anticipate that being a, a huge problem long term. But uh, in this in this season right now, it just feels like still not seeing the best of what he has uh, as a capability. They still move the ball. They end up having a number of yards, but like a lot of bad teams, uh, by the end of it, a couple really costly turnovers. And yeah, a game that I, you know, basically when you look at the the box score, does not look uh, like a huge blowout either way. Obviously, the Falcons only win by a touchdown. But for the first part of that game, yeah, Cordell Patterson looked fantastic. I don't know why they didn't run the ball more with him. Uh, obviously not even just the touchdowns, but other parts of the game where he was just gashing that Jags defense. It was the one thing they seem to not be able to defend. They know they're going to have to run because they don't have many pass catchers doing a whole lot right now. Um, still not a lot of production from Kyle Pitts, I'm sure, Falcons fans. You're sitting at 5-6, and six, but you're just kind of, as we've talked about, you're kind of just stuck there. Um, you get this yeah. win, but I, I still don't know what to anticipate. And uh, They get, the I think, Tampa Bay next week. That's going to be, you know, we saw what happened early in the season when they faced. It's going to be another really tough test for them, a team that, uh, unlike a lot of teams where we've, we've talked about today, I feel like we're like, oh, they're better than their records. Uh, I don't think the Falcons are as good as their 5-6 and six record. Yeah, if you're thinking about the playoffs, uh, the Falcons are going to finish with the Bucks, the Panthers, at the Panthers, at the Niners, home against the Lions, at the Bills, and versus the Saints. So there's probably three losses in there at least, I would say. Bucks, 49ers, Bills. Um, the others could go either direction, but I, I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them in the playoffs or anything. So uh, we'll see. And there was another wild stat they mentioned during the game. I think Patterson broke that early one for like 20-something yards. Uh-huh. And I think the stat was that you know, that was the longest rush they've had of the season. The previous was like 18. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think that we were in week whatever. Um, and they had not had a rush longer than 18 yards all season. Crazy. So that kind of shows you the, the state of the Falcons there. But Chargers Broncos, well, um, you know, should have should have stuck to the gut here. <sighs> um, did not. Uh, we both picked the Chargers. Kept thinking this is when they're going to, you know, make that turn, and didn't happen. Broncos, 28-13. Uh, they win this game, and, uh, yeah, it's a well, the way to say it. Got to be a disappointing loss for the Chargers, but a big win for the Broncos, who <laughs> when we talk about all these teams, it's like if you just look back at their season, and some of the games they feel like they just gave away. And, you know, I think if you're the Broncos, certainly look at that one against the Eagles. Uh, they had their chances in Cleveland against the Browns. Uh, yep. But – you know now they win a game like this and it's like all right well you're still in the conversation you're six and five and by the way uh here we are week 12 every team in the afc west is above 500 uh, still in week 12 uh, i don't know if we all would have had that before the season started and by the way too 
one game separates the Chiefs and uh, everyone else. So yeah. um, this this thing is still wide open here. Yeah, and the Broncos still have, I think, that yeah, they have two games still against the Chiefs left. So, I mean, they, they have everything in front of them if they want. I, I feel like the, the this division and the AFC as a whole waited too long to – uh, to bury the Chiefs when they had a chance. I feel like they've kind of figured it out, as we've talked about. But, yeah, this one still really impressive, though, to see what this Denver defense can do when it's operating at full cylinders. And too many times I feel like we've, we've talked about a, a Charger game where it's like Justin Herbert's been so fantastic, and then he has these performances where, uh, you know, it's it's obviously not just on him. It's on on the coaching staff. It's on everyone around him and what, what those situations he's put into. He still ends up throwing for quite a few yards, but I would not say it was one of his better performances. Some really costly, obviously, the picks uh, to Patrick Sertan, the pick six, and just things that kind of buried them. And just they could not, you know, we, we've seen this, this same theme with this with this Charger defense by the end of it. They, they don't give up a huge rushing yards per average, but still enough that Denver could comfortably run the ball. A great uh, dual uh, uh, rushing attack from Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They look great, you know, even though he got hurt and hasn't didn't have great numbers. Still, some some really big throws by Teddy Bridgewater in this game. Uh, still, some big plays from that team. I still want to see more about that passing game, and they really do feel uh, on a bigger kind of more macro sense a team that when we get to this off season coming up and who, where quarterbacks might move, I, I would look at Denver if I were a quarterback outside of where some guys like Aaron Rodgers are, but Russell Wilson, say just on any number of free agent quarterbacks that could be out there or guys available. If you look at what Denver has right now, and it's not even to take away from Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, they just need a couple more holes filled on their offensive line. And this team is going to be one of the better teams probably in the AFC if they had if they had a really above average quarterback. Uh, they have the, that many pieces around them. You, you see how they're able to win without the QB position being perfect. They they find just so many ways to beat. And they've beaten good teams. They've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten now that they win this game against a Charger team that we don't know how good they are, but they are still uh, in playoff contention. Have one of the best young quarterbacks in the league by all counts and uh, able to, to control them again. I, they if I, I guess for the Chiefs you are coming off the bye, and I still feel like. We're, we're probably going to feel pretty good about Kansas City taking that one next week. But that this Denver defense has proven that they can limit these really explosive passing games and these quarterbacks, and they have a good game plan to do so, great personnel to do so. And Patrick Chetan having just an absolutely fantastic game, even beyond just the picks, just all over the place, man. And, yeah, I know that a lot has been made about them, Denver passing on a quarterback, and still should be because I still think their defense would be in a good place if they had taken a QB and not Patrick. But we'll see if they are able to address that in free agency. Their defense is locked and loaded, and, yeah, they – they have everything in front of them, just like the Chargers do. Uh, but a loss, these kind of losses are going to end up piling up, I feel like, a little bit too much for the Chargers. We'll see how they bounce back against uh, a team in the, the Bengals that is, is firing on all cylinders right now. Yep, we'll see what happens uh, with them there. And then the Vikings and the 49ers. Yep. Um, this was an interesting game. And, um, well, Dylan, you made your pick and then you changed it. And it's a good thing you decided to change it, I think. You went with the Niners. <laughs> Uh, because the Niners did win this game um, 34-26 and a big third quarter, really, where the majority of the action this one took place uh, was in the third quarter. Now the Niners go to 6-5, and five, Vikings at 5-6. and six. Um, You know, this was another one where, I mean, you just kind of look up how the Niners have been able to win games. And, I mean, this is sort of, you look at the script here in terms of just the defense being able to sort of help out the offense yeah. a little bit here. And 
uh, Elijah Mitchell with a big game uh, here in this one. Yeah, just a physical team. Yeah, I, I, even the receivers play physical. They play like running backs, obviously, literally in, in the sense of <laughs> Debo Samuel, but also Brandon Ayuk. These guys are it seems like every week you're seeing defensive backs pissed off and it's just because these guys don't stop blocking uh it's just a team that has that mentality and it's something that is really valuable in the nfl as, as we've seen um and the snyder team yeah they have that identity and a, and a swagger that they just did not have early in the season they keep r- ripping off these wins uh beating the rams really seems to have propelled them forward uh with that same kind of formula that they've had and now three straight victories they they run the ball efficiently jimmy's been put in better situations he's able to make the throws when they're presented to him uh he's missed some still but he has enough help from his running game from his defense that you know they force some big turnovers and uh really impressive to watch this minute you know them really stifle a minnesota rushing attack that has been solid this season um you know it's still maybe maybe not their their strength as a team they still pass the ball well against san francisco still doubt a little bit of san francisco's depth uh, at at corners we've talked about in in the defensive backfield but they're really have come along really quite well and impressive to see them you know they still give up some points by the end of this but i think the niners yeah they're they're starting to play like the team that going into the season uh, i thought was gonna be a playoff team why i picked them to be a wild card team, um, they're they're fulfilling all of that and more. And they, yeah, they they still have some some work to do. Obviously, as as the Vikings still, I still think the Vikings have a, a playoff caliber team. But their schedule, as we've talked about, just doesn't line up as well as some of the other teams in this conference. I think if, if the Niners, they they have maybe two three tougher games but they still have the falcons on their schedule the seahawks aren't as we know playing that well and they have the texans so niners are looking pretty good right now man they've and no i don't think anyone really wants to face them they're a team that just physically wears you out yep they do indeed uh for sure and yeah they are one that you do not want to play at this point uh, like i said six and five now and uh, feeling pretty good about where they're at so all right we finish up with the ravens and the browns uh the ravens get to win 16 to 10 and this one, just keep on winning. Uh, Mark Andrews' catch, I'm still thinking about. Just incredible play that um, Mar Jackson uh, to Andrews for that score. That was uh, something. But the Browns dropped to 6-6, six and six, but they're still in the conversation. Um, you know, AFC yeah. and just so many different scenarios that could play out. If you try to predict the AFC playoff picture right now, um, even, you know, five weeks out, like there's just there's no way to do it when you look at where some of these teams stand. Uh, but the Ravens, uh, here they are, and uh, looking like, again, they're sitting on top. And, um, you know, wasn't pretty, but um, it doesn't matter when you're 8-3 and three and uh, the people that are chasing you uh, are still a little bit behind you. So Yeah, it's crazy to think because they've, they've won some just crazy games. Obviously, the Lions game and the and the win over the Colts kind of stick out. But just overall, this is a team that 8-3 and three, that could easily be more in the middle of the pack with all these other AFC teams. But like, they, like we've talked about, they keep finding ways to win. They have – they do still have a ton of guys that are out guys that have been out since before the season season even started and yeah they find just different ways to win they're not afraid to be aggressive they trust their players and by the end of it in this game though they still probably should have lost the, the stat that uh, i think mark sessler who's uh, works for nfl network is a browns fan but he retweeted from this account stats by stats it says that the ravens are the only team in the super bowl era to score fewer than 17 points have fewer than 325 yards 
throw at least more uh, four or more interceptions than their opponent and still win the game. Teams before this were 0-275-1 in the Super Bowl era. Now they are 1-275-1. I think that kind of just sums up what happened in the game for the Browns. They had every opportunity to win this. The defense played really well, but they could not run the ball a lick, which is not something that we've said for for most of this year against uh, the Ravens. I know they lose Conklin and that obviously a huge, huge injury for that offensive line. And they've, I know we talked about the Ravens injuries. The Browns have had so many guys get beat up, especially on that offensive line that was one of the best in the league going into the year. Uh, you just don't see it holding up the same way with all the injuries that they've had and see some of the things that they're able to get exposed and some other missed opportunities throwing the ball. It's just, man, they they feel like there's just a few plays, and it feels like we say this about the, the Browns a lot, where they feel like they could have those back. It would be a different story. But the offense just is, at this point, not doing enough to, to support a, a Browns defense that has kind of come along pretty well as we've talked about and yeah at six and six they still have everything in front of them but uh tough sledding when uh, you have really a, a golden opportunity with all the turnovers they forced to to take this one and yet again the, the ravens pulling out of the hat well there are thoughts on uh, the week 12 action like we said of course we record on monday afternoon so seattle washington still to play but uh, let's quickly look at uh, our waiver wire pickups and there are quite a few of them actually because of the injury situation yeah. Certainly, let's just say this up front. If anyone in your league uh, does not have Alexander Madison or Chuba <laughs> Hubbard, um, there you go. Like, you're done for the week right there. Uh, of course, I in my family league, someone who has Christian McCaffrey, happens to have both of those players. So I am, as, as my top competition, I am a little concerned uh, that he has both uh, Madison and Hubbard on his team. Yeah. But those are obvious ones if they're out there. I think Jamal Williams is an interesting one uh, for the Lions. But it's the Lions, and I, I try to stay away from the Lions <laughs> if I can. Um, Boston Scott, I think, is another interesting one. Uh, yep. Dontrell Hilliard from the Titans, he had a big game, that 68-yard run. Um, kind of beefed up his stats a little bit, but I think he's still a valuable option. With Derrick Henry out, defense, I talked about it. I think Dolphins are in the category. So are the Vikings. The Vikings get, uh, who is it? They get the Lions up next, so that's an obvious start. Yep. Um, and they get the Steelers and the Bears after that, so those are other two offenses that are kind of sputtering. So those are probably your top two defenses, I guess. Dylan, beyond that, two is still out there if you need him. Mac Jones is probably – I mean, Mac Jones, he's still out there. If you need a quarterback, you know, get you ready for the playoffs. you got issues there somewhere, he's a possibility. And I guess if you're going to go Mac Jones, so you got to consider uh, Kendrick Moore maybe as well. There you go. Not a, not a guy that's going to turn the ball over much, although against the Bills' defense, it's going to be tough sledding maybe for him uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, there's not – ton of great options i mean speaking of a guy that turns the ball over carson wentz but hey I, I, I don't know he, he's he seems like he's finding it a little bit in the passing game you you basically highlighted all the the running backs i was going to mention obviously uh, even though dalvin cook's injury luckily doesn't look as bad as initially did i think alexander madison still makes a ton of sense i do think you know, for a titans team that wanted to find someone to kind of be that primary back it seems like hilliard is trending that direction so i can see it um I, you know i know jamal williams doesn't have maybe the same skill set as deandre swift with his with the injury to swift but um i still think williams is going to be is still going to be a big part of what they want to do there so some i think some decent options at running back more so than like you're used to we, we've been harping on boston scott week after week and he's still putting up 10 plus points every week so maybe eventually someone will listen to us and we'll get this uh we'll get this uh, his ownership number up a bit interesting that the the bills um deactivated uh, Zach Moss and you saw Matt Breida have a decent role yeah. on that in the rushing game I'm not gonna maybe pick him up with 
coming up with the uh, with the, the Patriots next week necessarily, but uh, not a bad selection. Um, yeah, you got you highlighted the main defenses. Looking at receivers, still, um, we've talked about how and Van Jefferson is going to probably fill more so the the Robert Woods role than what uh, even Odell does with his skill set and his ability to block and different things. So I think Van's still going to be even if he's not a going to be a wide receiver one or two, a decent flex play, especially if you're in PPR leagues. I think he's just going to get a decent target share week to week. Um, outside of that, just looking, yeah, I think like you said, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, the, the New England is run, throwing the ball more than we've seen lately. Obviously, Cedric Wilson still has a decent role in that Dallas offense. We'll see what happens with Amari Cooper. Uh, we're assuming probably coming back by th- Thursday night when they play the Saints. Uh, we'll see, I guess. Um, and then CD Lamb was kind of a last second scratch. It sounds like he should be fine, but I think yeah, Kendrick Bourne definitely feels like the 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 guy with the high target share for New England for a team that's wanting to throw the ball more, feeling more comfortable in their passing game. Um, uh, we mentioned I, I don't really want to trust too many players in Atlanta outside of Mister um, Patterson at this point, but there's not a lot of pass catchers really, and Russell Gage is the one guy getting a high target oh. share. I, I I wouldn't do it, but if you're I've got him on I've got him in the clutch points league, and like I'm just. I've given up. Like he's on my bench, and I just I don't have any desire to start. Him, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you want to put like four or five claims in to give up one player, and they all somewhat you know everyone else in your league takes them, maybe he's the fifth guy down your list at receiver. But uh, yeah, I think yeah more options than you'd anticipate maybe going into week thirteen. Yeah, I mean Kendrick Warren. We talked about him. Like I was looking it up. I mean he's finishing the top five wide receiver finish in fantasy two of the last three weeks. So I yep. mean. You know, he finished 40th in between there, but still, I mean, it's just it's interesting to to think about, it's a trend. especially with the yeah, I mean, with the Patriots playing as well as they're playing uh, for sure. So, uh, if you don't remember anything from what we just talked about, fantasy waiver wire, search Madison and Hubbard right now because yep. uh, those are the two, and maybe quite honestly, there's another Tony Pollard. I think is another one that's very interesting yeah. because um, you know Zeke's been banged up, and I mean that's that's always a possibility again for a team that. You know, is out there, and that's why we always talk about the handcuffs plays. But like those three, I think without question, are right there at the top. So uh, just make sure they're probably all taken in your league. But just just check; uh, it doesn't hurt to to look. So uh, there you go. There are thoughts on the waiver wire for Week 13 in fantasy football. But of course, Dylan, have it all covered over clutch points, uh, all the action in the NFL as we get into the stretch run here, uh, as well as fantasy stuff, and of course the NBA. Uh, back in full swing at this point. Yeah, you can follow all of the NFL games in the Clutch Points app, uh, NBA games in the Clutch Points app, and also lots of coverage of MLB free agency has really sparked up the last couple days. You can follow that in the MLB section there on clutchpoints.com and the fantasy football uh, tab at the top. You can read our waiver wire pickup suggestions along with we'll put this podcast in that section of our discussion in there. Uh, so you can find all the, all the guys that you need to pick up, make decisions on starting and sitting and all that good stuff. Uh, that can be found in the fantasy football section and the NFL section. Yeah, all news coverage, all the injuries uh, that have happened. Every update as they come in, we'll be writing about them. Lots of stuff on reactions and good stuff for all the all the ways that uh, teams are taking in stride. Either their losses or building on their wins from the last uh, from this weekend. Takeaways from all the games. You can read that in the Clutch Points on ClutchPoints.com in the NFL section. Yep, check it all out there, and uh, as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast up to you, search for Travis and Pat, and uh, thanks as always for listening to the podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. You're on the Travis and Pat Podcast.